Welcome to Micah Bradford Connected, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So, let's connect, where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Micah Bradford Connected. Welcome to Life Disrupted, and today we have a very special guest. Her name is Micah Bradford, and Micah has a really interesting story, as we all do when it comes to life disrupted. Uh, There are so many things that happen in our lives and circumstances that we can't really control, but we definitely can manage how we respond to those things. And Micah's going to share with us her path and her journey and her life disrupted story. So welcome, Micah. Thank you, you, Rita. It is so good to be here. And yes, definitely have had a few events through the course of my life that would qualify as extremely disrupting, but I'm very happy in being able to share today with you and your audience on how those major disruptions, many of them ended up turning into major blessings, but with a lot of work, sweat and tears. Right. And I think that's a really important point. And so we're really excited to hear about that because often we just think of disruption in terms of those bad things that happen to us that we, uh, we, and we become victimized in a sense, and sometimes even paralyzed by them. Whereas you've taken that and maybe it knocked you down for a few minutes, but you got up and like you said, it ended up being a blessing in many cases. So, so let's maybe start with uh, a little bit more about you and your background and you know some of those early life uh, circumstances. Oh so gosh. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and just what your life is like. <laughs> I am like many Americans who have been married, had children, then divorced. Um, Like many single parents for an extended period of time where I had to find myself again and then be able to start trying to balance that out with juggling work, personal wounds and, and healing those while trying to you know, breathe positive life and energy into the children, which is is difficult. Um, and there's not a handbook. You know, I have many friends and colleagues that have gone through similar situations. And for all of us, it can be very unique. And so when I was married and had the kids, I have three beautiful children that are now 26, uh, 23, almost 24, and 22. So I have um, Jeffrey, who is proudly serving his country in the United States Air Force. And then I have Jacob, who is my lovely son who lives in East Texas, and my daughter, Madeline, who is here in North Texas and recently got married this year to a wonderful young man. And so at this moment, we're at a really great place. However, when they were little, there were multiple events starting out with When I had Jeffrey, he was in the process of being delivered and contraction stopped. They tried to induce labor. It didn't happen. And for the first baby, you know, I was healthy, did everything right. And little did I know that just two and a half weeks to three weeks early, it would prompt an emergency C-section. And within hours of Jeffrey being born, which still seemed normal, 
he had to be care flighted to Cook's Children's Hospital. And I think that was probably one of the first significant disruptions that directly impacted me as an adult. And so years go past and by the grace of God, he was able to continue to grow and develop typically. And we thought, hey, it's time for another one. <laughs> and we wanted to have the kids close together uh, to be able to have that opportunity to grow up and experience life together and do fun activities and as a family. And so two and a half years later, Jacob Ryan comes about. And thankfully, it was amazing because his delivery was completely normal. No one expected surprises. He was 9.9 on the APGAR, which of course, when they do the little baby check and it's like, okay, what is his rating? What is his weight? And he was a chunk. Mm -hmm. It was a relief and a sigh that we could get through one life event and it'd be semi-normal. Right. And as we continued to plan our little family, the next Madeline Kay came along about two years, not even two years later, maybe in 20 months. Mm -hmm. And as I'm pregnant with her, the March of 2007, it was another shake. It was another um, earthquake in life where we were told the measurements weren't normal, things were off. And we needed to go seek additional sonograms and different levels of sonograms. And we got the feedback. And as soon as they came back and said that the measurements were off, the circumference overhead wasn't where it should be. Again, it was another disrupting moment. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is not the plan of being the soccer mom <laughs> and getting to be in the community and have my kids. I was like, okay, so I got a reprieve with number two. Right. And here comes number three. And she's shaking things up a bit. So we immediately started taking some action. We have always been very involved in a holistic nutritional approach to health and wellness. And with the help of my OB Jen, and then also with some naturopaths and herbalists, we made some choices on different interventions. And thankfully, by the time July 7th rolled around, she was exactly where she was supposed to be and had an easy delivery. And we thought, all right, we got it. <laughs> all three of them were, were moving forward. And as I had been pregnant with Maddie, Jacob had experienced, while he was healthy when he was born, he had experienced many upper respiratory infections, many ear infections. He actually had had a adverse reaction to one of his shots and his, his nurse was the one that caught it. Um, she noted it in the pediatric records. And then there was an issue with the second one. And I was thankful that they were the ones that had noticed or caught and had asked me questions. But we saw this continuing dance, if you'd say, of Jacob getting ear infections and upper respiratory infections. And I was still nursing when he was little. So he's bigger now and Maddie's born, and I'm thinking we've made it out of the woods. Everyone seems okay, but it wasn't. Another and turning point. <laughs> yeah, we were about to hit a really hard curve in the road, and where I thought that the emergency C-section and Jeffrey being care flighted and Maddie's measurements being off in utero were disrupting, it was 
very meager compared to the event we were about to experience. And in September of 2007, for the last few months after Maddie had been born, I'd have a couple of girlfriends or my mom say, you know, Jake doesn't seem like he's talking that much. And I started looking through my notes. I'm like, gosh, you know what? He really, he's not babbling like he was. And I had had him babbling mama and doing different things. And the more that friends and, and family members said it, and they were so cautious, you know, you could tell. Now I look back and reflect. They were so apprehensive to say anything because they had known the trauma and the stress that had gone through with Jeffrey. They knew the trauma or the scare we'd had with Maddie when I was pregnant. And I had a really sweet friend that lived in the neighborhood and I'm still good friends with her. And I just remember her heartfelt, you know, conversations of kind of bringing to my attention more, you know, Jake's not doing this now. And how old was he at this time? You know, he was probably about 18 months. Okay. And so I reached out to our pediatrician and he's a pediatrician I'd had for all three kids. Matter of fact, (laughs) he was my pediatrician back in the day (laughs) and loved the office. He was really kind. And I said, I have concerns. Here's what's happening. And thankfully, because back in that time period, the assessments, a lot of times practitioners would say, oh, it's just them being boys or, oh, he's got siblings. He's just not talking because he's got an older brother and a new baby in the house. And I was very fortunate that my pediatrician didn't say that. Mm-hmm. And he actually forwarded us on to a neurologist. And then we were also connected with early childhood intervention, which is often called UCI. And unbeknownst to me, the earthquake, the 9.0 on the Richter scale was about to go down. And we were scheduled to have ECI come out. And they brought all these different toys and tests and things that just to, just to check, because we thought Jacob just had a hearing issue. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's wrong? He would turn his head before for one thing and then not for another. And it was so inconsistent. Um, now, Barney came on. That was a sure win. Oh my gosh, he'd go running to the TV. But where I had called his name before, he wouldn't answer any longer. He wouldn't turn around. He wouldn't orient. Now, if the doorbell went off, he'd go running to it. So ECI brings their team out and they have all of these baubles and things and they're asking Jacob questions and do this and t- I mean, all sorts of things. And I'm sitting there oblivious saying, Oh, well, he likes to put things in a line and he really loves to coordinate colors. And, and little did I know that with each comment I was making for them, I could see their eye. I could see something like, like bells going off, switches flipping, that I knew that what I was saying meant something. Mm-hmm. But the rules were the assessments had to be done. And technically, the agency was not at liberty or had the authority to give, quote, diagnoses. Right. So literally about, I don't know, two weeks later, I find out the results are in. They go over the results with me and I'm just flabbergasted because they're saying, well, he needs speech. He needs this. He needs that. I'm thinking, okay. And we're creating a plan. And they say, now you need to go back to the neurologist and take these results. And it was the craziest thing that after all of that had settled and I'm sitting there thinking, 
okay, well, so we're going to get his ears checked now. I mean, they're saying you need to go get hearing tests and maybe a sleeping hearing test and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, okay, this sounds like, yes, there's a problem, but it's not the end of the world. And because while it was unfortunate for our family, it was a, a gift and a blessing for me. My mother had struggled for years with health issues. And because of that, I had become very familiar with the world of, I don't even like to call it alternative medicine now, maybe 20 years ago, 21 years ago, that's what they called it, complementary, integrative, just to me, it truly is looking at the whole person. Sure. It's keeping it real. It's not dissecting the head from the neck, from the body and such. And so my mom, had, with her health issues, had gone to the Mayo Clinic and she had a Mayo Clinic book. And somebody in passing said the word autism. And I'm like, huh? Like, really? I'm like, I haven't heard of that. I mean, I hadn't. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was growing up, there were kids with special needs. And I remember the room they were in, in the corner of the high school. And our, our school was great about having them come out and do things, but I didn't know what the labels were. Right. And I get her Mayo Clinic book out and I look up the word autism and I'm like, this doesn't match up. Jake looks at me. Yeah. He hugs me. Oh my gosh. He loves me tickled and kissed on. And then I start reading more and I'm like, but wait, that, yeah, check. Is he really talking now? No. No, is he looking at me in the eyes all the time? Hmm. No. Is he listening, hearing everything I say and orienting and looking like he did before? Nope. Another check. And at that time, I picked up the phone and called the little gal with ECI. And I remember being in my mother's living room and my heart was just racing because I was about to ask her, a question that technically she wasn't supposed to give me the answer to. Right. And I said, can you just talk to me a minute? And I said, I realize that you don't have the authority to diagnose, but I, I need to know. And she goes, Micah, let me just give me a second. Let me close my door. She gets up in her office and closes the door and comes back to the phone. And she says, what can I help you with? And I said, just tell me, do you think Jake has autism? And her pause and the silence said more than, than the three-lettered word that she said after when she said, she said yes. And at that moment, I, I knew that even from what I'd read at that time, that my whole life, it was just like what I thought it was going to be was just poof, gone, gone. And I still remember getting off the phone, going home. And for me, you know, I was brought up kind of Southern Baptist and, and I've got friends that have religions, no religion, you name it, here, there, and everywhere. But for me, my mom had always said and taken me to church and to, to youth groups, and it was something to hold on to. It wasn't a whipping stick. It wasn't to make you feel bad. It wasn't, it was to hold on to hope, to have something to believe in. That's the only thing that can get you through sometimes like this, yes. Yeah, because... The numbers for autism back then were still maybe even more than one in 500, but it wasn't more than that. So it was still. And I wonder if those numbers were that low because people just didn't, like yourself, have no idea, didn't know what to ask, didn't know what to look for. And so they just hadn't labeled it. You know, here's the thing. And, and that's a, and I'm glad you brought that up because actually the state of California did a fabulous job with 
looking at blood spots and tracking health history and also looking at the different diagnoses that could have been MR or any other um, area within the IDD subset. Mm -hmm. And what we found even early on is that first, as a mom, many of us saw our children start to gain skills typically, but then insidiously, they just kind of disintegrated. And so that was one of the first quirky things. And now we've even seen that more now because technology, families are constantly videotaping and, you know, and posting and stuff. So there's so much more documentation of what the kids are doing and transitions. But what we found is that where people thought that initially, when you looked, while the numbers of autism were going up, there was no shift in the other categories. So if it had been historically a condition that was existent to the level that we saw then and that we are seeing now, what you would see is if those were being reappropriated, you would see other diagnosed categories going down. Ah, I see. So for us, basically that day, just things shifted. And part of the disruption in my life that day of hearing the affirmation that yes, the, the professionals thought he had autism. For me going back home, I, and again, this was just for me, my lifeline. I had an old Schofield Bible and I'm pretty much at this point freaking out, right? Like I'm thinking, oh my God, seriously? I mean, I had visions of being like, Soccer mom. Matter of fact, Jeffrey, Jake's older brother, was playing soccer. I mean, it was so great. I mean, they were picking bugs up on the ground more than they were playing soccer, but it was just making memories. And so I pick up my Bible, and I am literally just pretty much beside myself, boo-hooing. I'm thinking, dear God, not the plan. Right. I don't even think this qualifies as plan B, okay? I think we're like at plan Q (laughs) by this time. Because going from A to that, that uh, no, the weight of value is way more than a B. <laughs> right. And I sat there. And for me, the thing that has driven me from that moment on to hold on to hope is I'm sitting here, I'm just praying, weeping, praying, saying, God, you know, I need some encouragement because this is not cool. This is not, this is not happy. This is not warm. This is not fluffy. This is not something just tell somebody, hey, it'll be okay. Were you praying for peace or were you praying for answers or were you just uh, praying for this isn't real? What what were you really seeking at that point? You know, some level of comfort, some kind of revelation, some kind of indicator that he was actually there seeing the hell I was going through, that he, that he was going to be active in the situation and give, literally, I needed, um, you know, for some people that may not be aware, aware of this, like, and this is old school, like in the Bible, they talk about paying out fleeces. You ask for something, right? You're just like, give me a sign. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. I just needed a sign mm-hmm. that I wasn't alone. That... Because when you get the diagnosis of autism, the first thing that almost every parent thinks of is, oh, dear God, who is going to take care of my child when I die? Mm. Who is going to be the person that is the gatekeeper, that is the protector, that stands in the gap when I am no longer here? 
whatever time frame that may be. And the craziest part, and this is what spurred me to have any ability to hold my head up, pull the bootstraps up, and in the days where I could be bawling like a baby, make myself sing and believe that things would be better, is I'm sitting there with this Bible. And many of my friends, at first when they heard this, they're like, that's crazy. But as they've seen my life unfold, they're like, that is powerful. I open, literally I'm holding it, open it up. And the very page I opened it up to was in Genesis, which is really hilarious because I was kind of being a smart aleck, <laughs> probably said something a little different. And I'm like, I literally look up, I'm like, really, God, Are you got to be joking me. I am mourning <laughs> and in the pit of hell right now, parental pit of hell, seriously. And I'm like, and I'm turning to when the world began. Because, uh, because okay, he, so. the message was your world was just beginning again, right? <laughs> that is very true. Yes, it was a new age. That's true. But what's so funny, and to see the prophetic component that's happened is that I am looking to the right side of the page, the one I opened to, mind you, in Genesis. And I look down to the left, and there's nothing. And I start to scan to the right side, and I get down to the bottom, and I look, and I just was in a moment of just absolute quiet and silence because when I read the title for the next scriptures, it was The Blessings of Jacob. And at that moment, literally to the core, you could have dropped a pin. I literally heard him say, this will not be easy. Matter of fact, this is going to be very, very hard. But there are going to be many blessings that come from the situation with Jacob. And while it didn't fix anything, and yes, my reality was crazy consistently that moment. And I know for different people, it's different. I know that some people, it may be reading a book. It may be, I mean, there's, there's many things it could be. But for me, that was what started the whole process of me having hope and being able to look in no matter what situation occurs at what is next and then and connecting resources and people and looking beyond what's right in front of us. I love that. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because you're in it and it's just all around you and you, you just don't see an exit anywhere to find that hope. Hope is like the far off light that just says, keep following this, right? Absolutely. Uh, Wow, what an amazing story. And obviously, uh, how old is Jacob now? <laughs> Jacob is 23. And I can tell you, it has been, <laughs> let me put it this way. He was not underestimating. God was not kidding when he said, not only would this not be easy, it would be very, very hard. The journey that we have walked with him has been tremendously difficult. And at the same time, it has provided me with the drive to continue to move forward and not only help him, but realize that in every situation, I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make if I was going to be in almost like analysis paralysis, if I was going to stand in fear. I constantly have had to look at the cup being half full. Matter of fact, to the point that it could be the smallest of things, but you have to, you have to choose what you're going to see in the picture. 
-hmm. because there's a million things that you could look at. Right. And it's sort of like that analogy of four people are standing on street corners, four street corners see the same accident and all have a different perspective. So it is about the perspective, right? Yes. And there were times where I had more family support than others. There were times when I had uh, more community support than others. There were times where friends, I had deeper relationships uh, than others. But all of those continue to evolve and have seasons. And so I would say that for a family that has a child with a disability, that it's never exactly perfect. And I think that when we expect the unexpected, and when I say prepare for the worst, I don't mean you focus on the worst. It's just like having, if you're going to go on a cruise and you have your life jacket and you have the dinghy that needs to be dropped, you have the things you need in the event. Right. right. In the event, here's my emergency kit. And, and so that evolved this time because you didn't really know what you needed in that emergency. You didn't know what you needed in terms of resources. And you had to learn that and as you went along and as you researched, right? Absolutely. And so what ended up happening over the course of the next few years is I was fortunate to get involved with an amazing um, nonprofit that from an education standpoint was really one of the leading driving forces on raising awareness of what we call um, ABA or applied behavior analysis, which is assessing language and and behaviors and using positive reinforcement and learning how to redirect situations. It was one of the many things that we started doing with Jake at the age of two, where it's considered a therapy. Mm -hmm. So when you think of like occupational therapy or speech therapy, ABA therapy is essentially where you are connecting words directly with items. You're connecting words with actions. You are working on the child's ability to identify that this word means this picture. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very watered down way to explain Mm -hmm. our entire life started with having programming and supports and different therapies. And of course, the hearing test got done, but we all knew at that point what we were going to find, that that really wasn't the issue. And from there, I started researching quite a bit about the medical issues that surrounded autism. And back in the day, at that time, many of the professionals were still in the encampment that this is neurological, psychological condition. And a lot from a mainstream perspective wasn't being looked at from the health issues. Mm-hmm. And because I had known that he was pretty healthy when he was born, because I had seen some of the health issues digress in his situation, I started really becoming objective and looking at him from all facets. And what's interesting is after the age of two, he had started having actually 18 months we started seeing more gastrointestinal issues, meaning stomach problems. And oh Lord, as a young mom, any mom that's dealt with this, it's like the diapers were a topic of discussion. <laughs> they're, they're that anyway. And I'm sure yours were it just it, even more so, right? Oh, he- heavens to Betsy. I'm telling you that moms, it was 
comical because back then when some of the support groups had just come out online and we would talk about sending each other pictures like, did Jerkin's diaper look like this? What is going on? And so um, I was fortunate enough that I look back now and think it really was a tremendous blessing that I had the opportunity to go to a, a medical conference in Florida and meet up with other leading researchers and parents. And it was really one of the first times that all of us across the country had come together and we're literally connecting the dots. We're like, okay, wait a minute. So what's going on with your kid? How did this happen? And peeling back the layers. And what's interesting is that Jacob had, I had talked to a gastroenterologist because I was like, something's wrong. These diapers aren't normal. He's waking up every night screaming. Can we please have him scoped? Meaning an upper endoscopy and a lower endoscopy. I'm like, something's really not right. And the agreement was the doctor said, I'll do the upper. And if something's wrong, we'll look at, we'll go further. And when I was at that medical conference, I got the greatest call of my entire life where the doctor called and he goes, okay. He goes, yep, he's got esophagitis and he's got reflux. And he said, I told you that if it came back where physically and medically there was a diagnosis because of the other gastrointestinal issues he's had, we'll go next steps. And that was really the beginning of taking it further and starting to look at where the health issues from the whole person perspective and really allowed me to start applying what I had learned from my mother's history of health issues. And it was amazing. Is that how your Medwell business started? I mean, because of your interest in all of the medical research and so forth? Absolutely. The issues that when I was growing up, my mother had a radical mastectomy. They thought she had cancer. It wasn't cancer. It was fibrocystic tissue. And back in the day, the imaging and the different tests, they just weren't foolproof. She had implants put in like any woman would do with reconstructive surgery and had horrific issues with that. She also had um, a lipoma, which is like a fatty nodule on her back and had to have back surgery. And through all of these health issues, for a multitude of reasons, um, many of those procedures and the outcomes were not what were to be projected. So for her health and her immune system, she had sought out, and because she was in chronic pain, she had sought out help from Mayo Clinic, Scott and White, you know, very reputable establishments. She had sought out help from naturopaths, herbalists, I mean, just to relieve the pain, to try and, and ameliorate the issues that had occurred. So I learned a lot watching her. And when Jake was diagnosed and we started having all these health issues, it really gave me an opportunity to put that into practice. And I was fortunate enough that I was offered a position with a company that was a leading nutraceutical or vitamin manufacturer. And it focused on health issues with individuals and kiddos that had whether it was ADD, autism, and, and you really couldn't say that, but the kids that were picky eaters, that they weren't getting good nutrition. There were all sorts of issues. And I was fortunate to work for them for almost 10 years. And in that span of time, I was offered the opportunity to travel across the country and hear amazing medical professionals from universities, from children's hospitals, who were on the cutting edge of addressing the very things that myself and the other parents at that first conference were discussing in Florida. 
Mm. And it was the igniting of a fire that transformed what I look at doing with work. I could never imagine working and doing something, whether it's for a company or myself, that didn't motivate and inspire someone to believe there's more, to believe there's more answers. Mm -hmm. And so did that for about 10 years and then was fortunate to help a large compounding pharmacy in the Southern region of the United States kick off and develop their section of nutraceuticals or nutritional supplements and work with pharmacists and doctors and surgeons on helping raise awareness of the nutrient depletions that could occur from various health conditions or, or maybe even the medications themselves, knowing that if the medication monograph or drug sheet said that with this drug, they need more B12, making sure that the consumer or the physicians knew that so they could get the optimal response they wanted from the doctor or wanted from the plan of treatment that the doctor was looking for. So that led me to a few more positions. And ultimately in 2016, I made the decision to leave the company that I was with where I was helping to bring resources to physicians' offices and decided that anything going forward, the projects that I worked on had to make money while making a difference. And I sit here as I listen to your story and I can only imagine how different your life might have been had Jake never been diagnosed with that. I mean, because... I'm sure this was not your plan. This was not where you thought you'd be in the field that you thought you'd be in. And here you are now and helping so many other people with the knowledge that you've attained over the years. You know, it's funny because I look and there's some days that I think, what would it be like if I didn't have to worry about X, Y, and Z? And at the same time, I think, I don't know if I'd be happy. As much as for Jacob, I will say this. I love him. His diagnosis of autism is a type of autism that he hurts. He doesn't feel well. This is not the type. And I, and I want to say this because I am all for diversity in, in people and different ways that we approach tasks and ways we communicate. I 150% embrace diversity. But there is a distinct difference between our family members and our loved ones who are chronically ill, who cannot convey their needs and wants in an explicit manner, that are aching, that have health issues beyond, that we are continuously having to advocate for for proper medical care. So for Jake, while I am thankful for the blessings that have come for me and the purpose that I've been able to have from his loss, it has been a loss for him. And if somebody asked me in a heartbeat, would I sacrifice, would I give back what I have gained from this from him to have less of the burden to be healthy and normal? I would absolutely wish that for him. But for me, it has been a journey. And his health issues have helped me help not only my other family members, like my daughter, who was sick for she actually, in all of the chaos that we were experiencing through middle school, became very sick and was homebound for two years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, but, but because of the knowledge and information that I had gained from Jacob, and interestingly enough, 
the inverse, vice versa, of Maddie's circumstances, I was able to connect and bring new resources and an approach to their health, both Jacob and Maddie, by what they'd each gone through and me really looking and assessing the circumstances from their health, from their labs. And so that's been exciting. That's been exciting to see how then taking it from my family, my immediate family, I am able to share with other people just like this today, whether it's the the mom or the dad, or whether it's the individual that's struggling and just thinks, dear God, this is never going to end. Knowing we truly don't know what is being worked on or studied or what has been found that is for our, our good, on our behalf, on the other side of the country. Right. Or the other side of the world. Right. That's what's exciting to me. Well, and it's your pet. You were made for this. I mean, there's no question. You just light up when you talk about it. And so there's no doubt that this has much more meaning to you uh, than just getting through it. it yes, it, no, absolutely. And that's why now with MedWell, um, I've been fortunate enough to currently be working with some amazing companies that, again, I could not have asked for anything better. You know, when you pray, my prayer has been, Lord, please let me use these horrific disruptions, these events that I never would have asked for, to say the least, but please let me use this in a way that I can support my family, but I can support our community. Because I can tell you that if it took me two decades <laughs> to find this information, I am more than happy to give somebody, you know, the cliff note version exactly. to help them move forward. Right. And, you know, when you talk about where you're at, I've been involved with Families for Effective Autism Treatment in North Texas for over two decades, almost 22 years, actually. Been involved in some other nonprofits. But to see things come full circle, I remember... I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I would sit there and be like, wow, you know what, Lord, I want to change the face of Texas. And I want to change the face of this country on what happens with our kids. And it ended up becoming bigger than just autism because when my daughter got sick, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. So we've got a lot more autoimmune issues, people struggling where they can't get off the couch. Mm. Our parents think that the teenagers are being difficult when the reality is no, there's a medical condition you just haven't found it yet. Your doctor hasn't diagnosed it, but I can assure you there's more kids like Maddie out there and we found them. But to go through and I would sit there and I would say, okay, I just want to make a difference. Well, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, one of the ladies that she has a program where Jake's at now, she said, hey, there are some openings for this thing with Health and Human Services in Texas that you should just throw your hat in the ring. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm all about helping to further services. And we've benefited from some of the waiver programs in Texas through Medicaid for Jake. And I'm like, okay, sure. I was like, all right, Lord, do you want me there? Yeah, I'll just, I'll fill out the paperwork. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> paperwork gets filled out and I send it in with the deadline. I'm like, all right. And there's like four of us as moms, okay, that are all friends and we're all professionals in different areas, but we all feel um, convicted to continue to move things forward right. for other families and people in our community. And so I get a letter in the mail. Mrs. Bradford, you've been accepted and assigned to Texas Council on Consumer Direction. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, all right, God. <laughs> what is that was a yes. Yes, you ask and there you have it. Right? <laughs> well... That wasn't the end. <laughs> I go in 
And granted, these councils, it's amazing the people that commit time to them. Honestly, I was just in awe the first day they are looking and sitting on the subcommittee meetings. This council is a council that helps expand accessibility to services for people on Medicaid waivers in Texas and allows them to not have to necessarily use agency resources. But if Joan at church, you have them trained through your son's therapist and they are a better fit to watch your child, you could have Joan sign up and be the one to oversee and be an attendant for your child. So it, it was huge because I had used that service when Jacob was younger through the state. And I'm at the office in Austin and I'm just in awe. I'm listening to these people that have been on these boards for a while. And then people from the different agencies that are involved in this council. And I'm like, wow. And I'm sitting there that Monday and they say, oh, well, tomorrow we're going to be voting on the chairperson for the council. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, wow, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I don't know these people well enough. And I'm thinking, hmm, let me look some more. And next day we all come in. And I'm learning like the rules and the regulations and how it's set up with the microphones and the name tags and, and all of that. And we get to the opening and they review minutes from the last meeting. And then they talk a little bit. And then all of a sudden they say, well, at this time, we need to take proposals for chairperson. And I'm sitting there still looking. I'm like, gosh, I'll just wait and see who proposes who. And then I'm going to just make an educated choice as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and one person mentions one person's name. And then another council member says, well, they'd throw their hat in. And as I'm sitting there, the gentleman directly across and I'm looking across. So I'm on one side of the U and this other gentleman's on the other side. And he's the representative from NAMI, which is the National Association for Mental Illness. And all of us new council members had gotten to share a little bit about who we are what our affiliation is, like if we have a child or a loved one, and then what we're doing there, why we wanted to be there. And he looks over at me after these other people have all said something and says, I'd like to suggest Micah Bradford. And I, in that moment, (laughs) first meeting, and I'm thinking, okay, I realize that A, they have to have somebody who is a community representative. So the person that's a chair can't be someone that works for any of the agencies. But I literally at that moment felt like somebody had knocked the wind out of me. And I'm probably googly eyed looking at him. And all of a sudden, the woman with the state that's kind of directing the meeting, she goes, Mrs. Bradford, what is your response? And I said, did you please tell me again what the responsibilities are? And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, dear Lord, I don't have a pass to do my phone call. What is it? My lifeline call? Right. This is happening now. And not only is it happening now, wait a minute, wait. It's like being streamlined live, recorded because all meetings are open meetings. And so I'm just like, and, and I'm learning. This is the first time I've been through this process. And I literally said to myself, oh, dear God. I I can't call Curtis. I can't call my mom. I can't. And then all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, this is the thing. This is part of what I've prayed for. And in one of those moments, again, I clearly heard the Lord say, well, sweetheart, you said you wanted to change the. (laughs) And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So the end of the story basically was that in that moment, 
I thought, how could I not say yes? I am a very small part of an amazing group of people, and I am absolutely still on the learning curve. The processes, we have some amazing people that commit time, effort, and energy to create and help shape recommendations for the commissioner of HHS in Texas, and it's been an honor and a pleasure to be a part of that. Now I also provide some information as a subject matter expert from my council to a larger council that's doing a redesign of the services in Texas. I am nowhere near <laughs> the um, near the seasoned professional as some of these individuals are that have been doing this for an extended period of time, but I'm very thankful for the opportunity to call those people colleagues or partners in these efforts. So it has been life-changing. It has been very life-changing to see how that one diagnosis just disrupted everything that my life probably would have been. But making a choice, no matter how hard it was, and and I've got some good stories. We've got some nitty-gritty moments where, you know, having a child with autism at the age of four and literally them screaming and yelling and as a young mom cleaning up messes from diaper issues. I mean, just horrific, horrific, horrific moments where you're just like, is this really what my life's about? And it's been a lot, but each day it just comes down to, you have to make the choice. What are you going to do? Exactly. He didn't ask to be that way and didn't ask for that life. And yet you were chosen because obviously look at the passion that you have and look at the difference that you've made. How did it lead to podcasting? Because I don't want to. You know, here's the thing. I just, and here's what's interesting. The end of last year, I have just consistently felt the need There are stories, and I'd love for us to to go through and and share more because I have stories where there are families seeing what I went through with, seeing what my mom went through. She is just such an inspiration to me because her life was extremely disrupted to the point that she's now in a wheelchair. And this was a vivacious, amazing woman that did sales and just she'd walk in a room and everything lit up. And to see the things that happened to her were just devastating. But also to know that if those dots wouldn't have been connected, my journey wouldn't have been furthered. And and I'll give you one small example. She had been seen a a naturopath. And when Jake was diagnosed, she's like, oh, let's go get a hair analysis done. And at that point, I'm extremely cynical. I'm not even skeptical. I'm cynical at that point. I'm like, he's three what do you think a hair analysis is going to show? And I thought, you know what? Grammy's just trying to help. They just want to try and do something, feel like they're, they're making some kind of difference. I'm just going to shake my head and go, great. Yes. Okay. And we do it and I'll be doggone. (laughs) It was a changing point. It was a turning point because that hair analysis came back and said, Jacob had off the chart amounts aluminum. And the naturopath looked at me and she goes, you need to go see a doctor. She goes, I've never seen this in a child, a small child. And so for my mom, the the whole thing with the podcast was I see the journey her life took. I know that if it wasn't for the cliff note version that I was able to receive of natural medicine, of integrated medicine, of testing and learning the true science behind so many things that I wouldn't have been able to go forward as quickly with the issues with Jake. And if I wouldn't have had the issues with Jake, 
when Maddie became deathly ill and was homebound for two years, and we were looking at neurologists and all sorts of things, I mean, and nephrologists, and I wouldn't have known where to start. Mm-hmm. And because of the evidence and the things we found with Maddie, I started connecting the dots even more and seeing. And, and my experience with being in pharmacy and management and seeing the surgeons and the doctors, it became very evident when I would work with a clinician that had a patient that was a bariatric patient and they would have malabsorption issues. The difference, meaning that they were, weren't absorbing because of their surgery, something right. as critical as keeping their vitamin A levels up that is detrimental for your immune system mm-hmm. and that we're continuing to get sick, getting to work with doctors and show them, hey, here's a different form of that vitamin A. Let's do this. Here's the amount. And to see how excited they were and the difference it made with their patients. The end of last year, I just got to a place of there's so many blogs and so many people are texting, they post stuff. When the reality is, if you're living a life where you're a caregiver or you're the one affected, whether it's your parents with Alzheimer's, whether it's a child with autism, my daughter ended up being diagnosed with POTS and EDS. POTS has to do with when you stand up and move abruptly because of your vascular system, you get lightheaded, you can pass out, learning what could and couldn't be done. The EDS is the connective tissue portion. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things, I thought people not only need to have hope, because if you don't have hope, you're not going to turn over that stone. Right. You may not even get out of bed. And going through, I've gone through two divorces. And I'm very grateful that my children's dad, we are good friends, and that we have been able to create a co-parenting relationship that is like no other. I'm so grateful for that. Um, Our families are very close. So just to know that from diagnoses of health and behavioral health and being a young family that was, you know, a one income, two income, and three kids, and to get to the place where now... There's so much information online that people can search and Google, but what we don't have is we don't have a consistent way where people are hearing that information, but in a way that maybe some can't understand it. You know, you start reading all the medical jargon and the this and that, and it's hard. Overwhelming too, because, and then you have conflicting messages in terms of what this symptom means. And so where do you turn? Who do you believe? How do you sort through all of that? And it's, you know, from the title of your podcast, Connected, it sounds like you're trying to help connect those dots for people. And that's exactly it, is that, you know, when we look at science, it's about one subset. Each study, it's like, okay, here are the people we studied. Well, guess what? That's not all the people. That's just like your labs and blood work where they'll say, well, the normal range is this. But when we're taking into account all the other components of an individual, it may look different for that person. So my goal was, I feel like there's a need for people to hear a voice, to hear the genuine, heartfelt emotion of someone who's been there, who's gone through it, who at times there were days that I just was like, I just want this day over. I mean, it wasn't always rainbows, butterflies, and sunshine. That is not it at all. Far from it. There were days where I literally just had to tell myself, get up and do it. And so I think people need to hear. And not only that, with the busy lifestyles, the podcast was something that they're often I'm working 
or physically as a mom, or if I'm helping stuff with my grandparents, I want to be able to hear something. And I have become a huge fan of Audible because <laughs> I love to learn, Right. but I don't have the time to sit and just read. So for me, Creating Connected was about creating a platform where people could come when their life has not been perfect, when they need encouragement, hope, and connecting them with information that they may have never realized could make a difference in their circumstance. I love that. I love it. And that's why we're so aligned because here at the Up to Something Network, the same thing, we want to bring people like yourself who have that type of information and that, and who can inspire and be a resource for others. And we're going to put all of your information up because I know that people are going to want to know more about Connected as well as you and maybe even connect with you to find out how you might be able to help them. So... Are there any parting words that you would have or or words of hope or wisdom that you think might help to inspire or to give comfort to someone out there who is suffering in silence right now? I think that it's important to know, like, just like today, there will be many more times where when we visit and I share with you, you'll get to learn some of the moments that were not so not so pretty, not so exciting. Maybe even the times where it was just pretty bleak and I heard zero, nothing was just paralyzed. And I think it's important for people who hear this to know that no matter where they're at, sometimes it's as simple as just tell yourself, get through the hour, get through the next hour, get through the day, find something to focus on. Find I make myself listen to a lot of positive, like the music I've chosen to listen to now is a lot of motivating praise and worship to keep myself focused in the times. Because what I realized is if I was listening to things that were messages about heartache and sadness and doom and gloom, it just compounded that intrinsic feeling. And so I was like, this is not good. So I think the first thing is that even if you don't feel joy, even if you don't see that that sunrise is on the other side of a very dark evening or morning, that you make the decision. Make the decision today. Know there's hope and help. Know there are people who have gone before you and that are still walking through this. I am still walking through turmoil as we seek out additional medical help for Jake at 23. But it's a choice. So just to know that, that things can get better. There are people working on your behalf. You may not see them. You may not even know them. But God moves people to move mountains that you may have no clue is just on the horizon. Oh, that's a great way. Just pause, I guess. I won't even say stop because I think we are going to have many more conversations. But I just want to thank you. Thank you for your heart and thank you for your commitment and thank you for just the knowledge that you bring and being a resource for so many. And we just hold you up to continue the work that you're doing and make a difference as you have already. Continue to make a difference. Thank you so much. I really appreciate getting to share part of my story today with you and I look forward to coming back and just hope that uh, this will bless many of your listeners and give them something to just hold on to. Hold on to hope and know that there are many 
many dots that have yet been connected for their lives. Absolutely. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. And we thank you for joining us today on this episode of Life Disrupted. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Fantastic. And I'd love to have them. If they'd like to visit at connectedmicahbradford.com. And we look forward to having you, Miss Rita, and sharing more about your story and your journey. And just thank you for always helping to help lead women in leadership and business professionals and helping us to build out our dreams in an authentic way that allows us to be able to make a difference. So thank you. Wonderful.